This is the Journey 66 Book Writing Podcast. I'm Melissa Parks with Dave Getz, and we are your road trip advisors. You may be at mile marker one and just thinking about an idea for a book, or maybe you've gone off-road in your writing and you want to restart the journey. Join Dave and me as we help you buckle up and write. It's more common than you might think, especially if you're a first-time author, to start writing a book and then stop and then restart. There are many reasons authors put the brakes on a book project. Some lose interest in writing when they realize writing is hard work. Other, maybe life circumstances make it impossible to carve out time to dedicate to writing. We've had conversations with authors who lost interest because they weren't absolutely clear on why they were writing the book in the first place. Still, others have told us they lost interest in a project when they couldn't find a publisher or an agent. The reasons are many, but just because you stop a book project doesn't mean you can't restart. Today, we are talking with aspiring author Robin Zachary, a New York City-based tabletop and prop stylist, contributing home editor of Bridal Guide magazine, and creator of the Prop Stylist Experience, a -a one-of-a-kind workshop that explores the creative and business sides of the exhilarating career of prop styling. Robin is here today to share her experience of starting and restarting a book project. Welcome, Robin. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so I'd like to just start out by having you tell us a little bit about your expertise and when you first started to consider writing a book? I started out in uh, art direction and creative direction. So I was creative director of Bridal Guide magazine starting in 1999. Wow. And my job was to oversee the art and photography. And I, over the course of my nine years there, I directed like hundreds of photo shoots fashion, beauty, home design, receptions, flowers, food, like so many different topics. And I hired stylists while I was doing that job. I kind of saw that they were having more fun than I was. So (laughs) I um, decided that uh, in 2007, I decided that I was ready to leave uh, to freelance and I wanted to be a freelance stylist. So I did fashion and prop styling and I started teaching at FIT just all at the same time. I had two light bulb moments uh, over time. And I taught at FIT for quite a number of years. And actually, I'm not currently teaching a class right now, but I'm still on the faculty, I guess. So I had the one light bulb moment was that I could teach this on my own. And number two, I realized there needed to be some kind of textbook to supplement what I was teaching. So so there was so much that needed to be said about the job of prop styling that wasn't really out there. It's kind of a lot of of talk and a lot of people, there isn't really a text that explains the job. That's interesting. So when you would teach a class at FIT, what kind of texts would you use? There was, there was an older book, uh, something that somebody had put out a long, long time ago that was very, very dated, somebody from California, but it was all my own material, everything. It was a 15-week class on styling, food, props, portraits. It went through everything. It was a great hands-on class. We did five photo shoots during the 15 weeks. Wow. And it was a really fun class. I decided, you know, hey, I mean, it was always full. I always had like 25 students twice a year. 
in that 15 week class, but then I decided, oh, I could be teaching this on my own. <laughs> so there's definitely enough students out there that want to learn about prop styling. Hey, Robin, this is Dave Getz. So glad to have you here today. So, so what's prop styling? Could you give us a quick definition? And when people leave your class, what do they do at, with the information? There are so many different types of prop styling. It's really about creating an environment and a set to photograph uh, something to, uh, for a book or for a magazine or for a website, for e-commerce. It's really about getting all your items looking their best to show off products or to tell some kind of story about a trend or something like that. But it's really the act of bringing the items to a photo shoot or to a video shoot. It's like somebody gets all that beautiful stuff that you see on Instagram. Somebody compiles, you know, and, uh, everything and gets the dishes and comes up with the concept whenever you see a cookbook. So there really is, there's so many things everywhere you look, every image that you see, people think it's just the photographer, but, um, you know, in a professional sense, the photographer is taking the picture and composing the picture, but there's a stylist involved in getting all those wonderful things and uh, having them coordinate <laughs> and match and picking the right backdrop and picking the right spot to photograph it. So there's really so much more that goes into it than people really understand. So I took your first course, which was, remind me of the title. Uh, well, there was the styling beyond Instagram. Yes, that one. And in that you talk about how Instagram has created this platform for so many people who didn't know what styling was to suddenly realize, oh, I enjoy this and I may be kind of good at it. How can I actually take this skill to a professional level? And is it whether you're an influencer or you're working with brands or you're actually directing photo shoots like you did. So that that kind of helps answer the question a little bit, like what do people do? <laughs> and it's changed a lot in recent years because of the digital landscape. Exactly, exactly. So many people call themselves a stylist. Now there's so many different, different avenues for stylists and so many different ways that styling comes into the picture. When did you start thinking about a book then? I mean, so you, you did this course and I would imagine you were thinking about the book you said, I think three years ago. Tell me about how it all kind of yeah. started to well, mesh. You know, I've been writing material for the class at FIT for years, years and years and years. So I started in teaching at FIT in 2007. I started my material that I would teach from, and I was always revising it and updating it. When I started the prop styling experience, which was my own class that I started in 2015, I started teaching this one-on-one -on -one course and people would come and spend a few days with me and we'd go through everything. We would do the how-to and do setups here and I would teach them about the business, but I was giving them handouts. I was giving sheets on each topic. So if it was a business-related topic, it would be a handout and I would pick the ones that apply to that person and I'd be making like a packet and putting it in a nice brown folder and making it really pretty and I would give them this hand these handouts of materials and um, you know, I said, well, this is actually just, if it was all in a book, you know, it would be um, much easier. I'm spending like 30 bucks a packet to like put, you know, copy and print out all these nice sheets and here we go. It's really could just be a book. <laughs> and so basically at that, around that same time, so around 2015, I started thinking about it. You know, then when I actually started working on the book it was about 
somewhere between three and four years ago. What, what did that look like? Did you say, I'm just going to start writing a book or did somebody approach you and say, I want well, you? It was all me. And it basically, it did stop and stall for years. Went through a lot of different uh, phases, basically, you know, because I came from a magazine background, I know how to start a magazine, but I knew nobody in book publishing, basically. It's like two totally different worlds. So, and even of the magazine people I knew, a couple of them have written books and, but maybe different types of books. So, you know, and I, I wasn't going to ask somebody to just like, oh, introduce me to your publisher. You know, I knew a, a book editor here and there, but nobody was very forthcoming with information for me. So I thought, well, maybe I was going to self-publish. So I spoke to a friend who self-published a beautiful coffee table book. It was gorgeous. She had it pr printed in Asia. And as she was describing the process to me and everything that she had to do, I just got like really terrified <laughs> at how complicated it was working with a different country and not even one that spoke the language and that, you know, the, all the intermediaries that she had to deal with. I got really turned off about it. I thought about, well, maybe I'll do an ebook. Then I could just design it myself and then sell it. And then I can revise it as needed. Cause that's another thing is that the revision is constant with me. I'm constantly thinking of things. Oh yeah, I got to add that in. Oh, I want to change that. So I thought about the ebook, but I was limited in my design skills. I'm not like up to date on like using InDesign or anything like that. So, and another person told me that she spent $60,000 self-publishing her book. And I was like, Ugh, I don't know that I have that kind of money to invest, but I was moving along and I did hire an editor about a year and a little more than a year ago who started working with me. So what was that like working with an editor and how did you even go about finding her? I found someone, an editor that's married to somebody I went to school with. She said she was a developmental editor and yes, they do work with self-publishers, uh, self-published authors all the time. So I hired her and we started working on it, but I noticed she was really just correcting my grammar and I guess she didn't really know too much about the subject. And I don't want, you know, I don't want to say anything totally negative. She was a very nice person, but I didn't understand what I should have expected from a developmental editor. So it didn't move you along in the process. It doesn't sound like. No, because it, I was looking for someone to add a little flair to my writing. I mean, I, might be an author and I like, you know, and have these epiphanies, like an author is not necessarily a writer. <laughs> you know, I, you know, I have a concept and a topic, but I do not come from a writing background. So I was looking mm -hmm. for somebody to take my, my writing and give it a little flair and make it a little more exciting than the way I was presenting the material. And I was not getting that. I was just getting my grammar corrected, which, you know, I'm, I mean, I could pretty much straightforward convey my ideas in a straightforward way. I was looking for a little more. As you worked with this editor, did you, and I think I'm going to know the answer to this because you already stated this, but I'm going to ask it again. So what you were looking for was help with, hey, here's where you need a story. Here's where you need some structure. I would move this over here. I would add this here, but you didn't get any of that. It, is that correct? I, yes, that is, that's correct. I was looking for exactly that. Somebody to ask me where to add a little, an anecdote 
would go in here? Do you have something that would be appropriate to insert here? Or taking my introduction and giving it a little bit more flair, <laughs> like to, you know, beef up the excitement about it because you need to hook people in, you know, it needs to be more than just dry. My language maybe tended to be a little bit drier and I wanted somebody to get, add some flair to it. What you said is so interesting to me. And I think a lot of people probably on this podcast can identify is that you, you view yourself as an author because you have an idea that you want to communicate, but you don't view yourself as a, a writer because you don't have a background maybe in writing is what you said. I, I find that to be interesting. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Was there any insecurity going into even thinking about writing a book? I've always been a visual person and creativity and art, art skills, that was always my thing. I didn't really focus a lot on the craft of writing my whole life and any of my schooling or anything like that. So yeah, I was a little insecure about my writing. Um, and I think through this age of social media, I've come so far <laughs> to, you know, every day we post on Instagram, we craft a little story about our, something we're thinking about or something about our day. And, you know, I'll write and rewrite before I think it's appropriate. And I'll even go after I post it and maybe edit something and change it up a little bit. But I think we're all gaining some writing experience now that we really didn't have uh, before. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I would agree with that. My writing improved a lot when I started posting every day to Instagram. So tell me then, you have this developmental editor and it sounds like you kind of got stuck there. So did you yeah. continue to work on it or did you just put it, put it pause, push pause, or what did you do? Yeah, it just kind of fizzled out. We went back and forth. She sent me one draft and I went back with it and then she did a little more. And then I just, I guess it just kind of fell apart in the new year. We didn't really continue working. It, I don't remember who dropped them all, <laughs> but you know, it was one of those things where someone was waiting to get back for, to someone and it just never happened. What did you learn about translating your classes into a mm -hmm. book? Good question. How hard was that? It was actually not very hard because there were topics. I mean, there definitely, I had made an outline of really, this is the things you need to know and in order of how you need to know them in order to do a styling job. Well, here's a timeline. Here's a way to negotiate fees. Here's a budget list. Here's, you know, a way to gather your resources. You know, the steps to take were all part of the class. So really was not difficult. There would just, it just needed to be put on paper and filled out, you know, basically. So it sounds like it's really a, a how-to book and you're equipping and the promise of the book then is you want to equip these new stylists to be prepared as possible for their job and their work ahead of them. Yes. Actually, I'm not going to include a lot of the creative parts of it. I'm going to talk more about process than actually how-to style. Okay. And that's the difference. The how-to style, like, is what I, the other classes that you took have, have been the hands-on how-to. Mm -hmm. This is more about the business. And I plan on doing a how-to afterwards, but this is more about the nuts and bolts of preparing and getting ready. And yes, I will touch upon the different types of styling and the different paths without so much, here's where you put things, right. you know, 
here's where you are, how you arrange things. That's like a whole other thing. So what do you, so it sounds like you embarked on this book writing journey to develop content for your styling sessions that you have individually, your workshops. But is this something that you hope that will be disseminated, disseminated widely? Or like, what's your hope for the book? Is it just something you want to use for your own purposes? Or do you hope that you can get other styles to train people to use your method? It could be a textbook. It could be um, like there really, there are stylists that have pretty books mostly in the home decor space because I think that's how the average person relates to styling like how can I make my home look better there's a lot of that out there for different styles of decor but I'm really speaking to those who want to become a stylist or use styling in their work as an influencer or content creator, I want to kind of describe the differences between all those different types of people. And since you took the workshop like it back in March, but mm -hmm. I just redid it again, I've updated it. So there's a lot of new categories in there. And I did it last a couple of weeks ago for Photoville. That audience was mostly photographers. So I added some other content in there about makers and artisans that need to no styling for promoting their goods, which that would be important. And also photographers, you know, who are classic photographer only people, you know, what they need to know about styling now to offer to their clients. When we were talking a couple of weeks ago about this book project, you were talking about how you really have to buckle down and write and it's going to take a lot of time and you may have to redirect some of your, your energy away from some other things. So tell me a little bit about how you plan to do that. Once I get started on a project, I really move like full speed ahead and I know once I have a deadline in place, <laughs> I am really good about meeting a deadline, but this is so massive. I mean, I do have to revisit everything that's already been written. You know, I've had these topics in the can for quite a long time, but they do need to be looked at again and revised and rewritten. And there's things I do want to add in. So as far as I kind of picture myself hunkering down and turning away styling jobs, and not teaching as many classes during this time period that I have. So let's back up then and let's talk about this new publishing opportunity that came up. I jumped ahead a little bit and you're writing this book again. So if we could back up and talk about, so now you're working with a publisher and how did that come about? In March, this past March, that's kind of where this all started. So I attended this conference called Alt Summit. Um, I don't know if you've heard of it, but have, yeah. it was like sort of a business social media women conference. It was in Palm Springs and it was in early March of 2020. So it was the last thing I did before the pandemic started. And um, I went there with the idea of taking all the panels on book publishing, which I did. And I heard lots of women talk about, you know, now these were people with a lot of big influencers or big followings that were actually pursued by publishers, like talking about their experience working on their books. And, you know, so I was thinking, I'm sitting in the audience and someone else raised their hand and asked the question, like took the words right out of my mouth. Like, 
well, what if you don't have a huge following and you're not approached by a publisher? We need some information on how to meet a publisher or how to, you know, need an agent so we can be uh, introduced to a publisher. So a lot of the stuff didn't apply. But what I did find was I did pursue a, an editor who was there and I said, you know, can we have a few minutes meeting where I can just present my idea to you? And we sat down for five minutes. I gave her my pitch and told her what I wanted to do, describe my book. And she said, you know, I don't think this is a great idea for a book because I think oh it's gosh. very niche and you're better off teaching the material. Mm. So now that really kind of, I walked away kind of, okay, well, uh, <laughs> I basically spent all this time going to all these conferences when I could have been learning other things. But I now I realize that it was just not right for her company. And I took it as it was a bad idea because, you know, when you, that's what they say, well, no, this is not a good idea. But really it was a, not a good idea for her publishing company. But that emotion right there, can you tell me? I kind of gave up. I, I kind of got, actually I took her advice and just, you know, I started teaching <laughs> of the material. Yeah, I was pretty much, I'm not gonna do this, I'm done. But I, at the same time, at the same conference, I met two women who just released a book. Their book had, was just coming out at the time of the conference. There was, they had like an advanced copy and they published this beautiful book. And um, they were so great. I hung out with them and they kindly agreed to make an introduction to their publisher. And I thought that was so nice, but I didn't push it. I just, you know, we had a good time. We said goodbye, we left. Um, I don't know, I can mention her name, Marissa Huber, came to me a few months later and uh, asked me to send her my outline. So she came back to me and said, oh, send me that outline about your book. I'm gonna, I wanna show it to my publisher. And she passed it along to her editor and they basically contacted me within days. Wow. And, and they arranged a meeting with me and they were very interested. So just goes to show you that these personal connections can make it all happen. So grateful that she introduced me to her publisher and it was obviously something that they thought was great and that would be right for their company. What strikes me about this is that that it is about relationships and i think if you're a new writer you're frustrated because what of what you experienced you had experience in the magazine world but you realize in the book world the agents and the publishers they all hide in the bushes and they there's not one place where you can go and find an agent and yes you can google how to find an agent but it that's not how it works and I, I'm encouraged by you went to a conference, you have someone ask the question, which is the hard question is how does a new writer find a publisher? And, and they can't answer the question because they had somebody come to them. And, and yet out of this relationship going, you know, just the conversations that you had at the conference, something really good came out of that. And I think uh, the takeaway for me is one, your persistence of going to these conference conferences, but what you found there was the relationships that didn't have a direct connection to a publisher, but led to a publisher. So I, I really admire you for your persistence. And I think if there's one word here that we need to encourage our listeners, it's if you want to write and you really believe in it, you do have to persist. 
there's all this stuff that comes up, you know, all the fear and imposter syndrome and all this judgment, you know, putting yourself out there, all those things happen. So it's really easy to feel like kind of cut down by someone, somebody who's in the field, you know, an editor that did say to me, this is not a good idea. Like, just like, that's all it took for me to just say, okay, I'm done. It's not a good idea and just give up. As opposed to her saying, you know, this is, this is a great idea. It's not a good fit for us because of X, Y, Z, but, uh, it's just the way the world works, right? So, and I'm sorry that you had to hear that, but I do think that is what people hear often is the idea is not good. And when in fact, it may be a really great idea, it's just not right for that publisher. Exactly. So would you say if there was a single turning point before you got and found the, the publisher, what would that be like? the turning point to continue to persist, what would that be? What I found out from doing the classes online during the pandemic and the response I got to the first, you know, my intro class about the business was that I got so many people interested in that. And that really showed me that there is a need for a book like this. Actually, the that class and the PowerPoint that I put together for the class really came from all the book material. So it's really a a little capsule of what's in the book. So just seeing the hundreds of people that responded to that showed me that there is a need for the book and that I should keep the dream alive, although I really didn't know where it was going to come from. And actually, I was so uh, turned off, I guess, from hearing that it wasn't a good idea first that I didn't actively pursue. And it just, when this woman contacted me and said, send me your outline, then it kind of opened that up again. And I was very caught off guard and surprised. (laughs) So it took me a little time to wrap my head around reopening the whole project. What do you feel like on the inside right now, as you think about, I am writing a book. Can you talk about that emotion? It's a big moment when you decide to write a book. Yes, it's, it's a little scary. <laughs> and all of those like, oh, I'm putting myself out there and I may not be the last word on how to get into this business, but I have enough experience that I could tell my story about it. And I think everybody else would have a different story. And so I just don't want to be seen as, oh, she thinks she knows everything kind of, that's kind of what I'm afraid of, the judgment. Whereas I certainly am the expert of my story, but I'm not the expert of everyone's story. And I do want to make that clear that the book is going to be about the ways that I know the, you know, so many ways to get into the business that I can talk about, but yet somebody else may have a completely different perspective on it. All these years of experience leading up to this moment. I mean, I think there is a time in your life where Dave always talks about women having this kind of metamorphosis at midlife. And you also can lean into these wisdom years where you've accrued all this experience in so many diverse ways that you have the voice and the right to deliver this information. I'm really excited about it. Thank you. I'm excited. But, you know, also those fears that I talk about are very much alive in me. I'm hoping that once the process is fully underway, 
um, you know, once I get the word back from the editor that everything's received, I mean, the contract's been signed and they just need to receive it and give me the wave like, hi, we got it. Like, let's start talking. I think I'll feel much better about the whole process. And yeah. I think I'll, I'll, I know once I get that focus going, I know I'm going to be hopefully enjoying the process a lot more. <laughs> right. as, as writers, we're always, always waiting for the other shoe to drop. Like, all right, so then they're going to cancel the book or this happens. I mean, I remember those emotions and, and, and then it'll never sail. It'll suck when it comes out or, you know, you, you just all that noise that just continues to, and I don't know that you ever, it ever goes away. I think it, it may, might get softer as you get, as you do this more, but I'm not sure it ever goes away. <laughs> Right. Probably even no matter how many books come out, there's probably all those jitters um, right before it drops. <laughs> yeah, um, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you're an inspiration to us, Robin, really. And yeah. your persistence and the serendipity, serendipity is the result of persistence. And and I, I'm very excited about the book and I look forward to when it comes out. Yeah, I'm just, I think another word of encouragement for our audience is you just keep moving forward. So you didn't think you were going to write a book, but you continued to develop content. And that's critical to you keep on evolving, you keep on adding to your expertise. So that's another word of encouragement. As you think about your project, what do you really hope to accomplish uh, by publishing this book? I wish I had a book like this when I was starting out. I think it would be really would have been a really useful tool because there was a lot I didn't know and a lot I had kind of had to figure out on my own. And I think that is pretty common that people kind of stumble around through this career. So being that styling is so hot right now, the average person still doesn't know um, how to get into the business and all the details and the protocol, how to work professionally, how much can feasibly be accomplished in one day. That is huge now. Things have changed so much where think people are asking for much, much more to pack into one day that is you know, way more than is really possible if you wanna do a good job. So I wanna explain that so people can really be aware and educate potential clients on how it works. Also what the, what different terms are, different types of styling and what the different paths are that you can go down with regard to styling. Wow. That's great. That's a wrap. That's terrific. I'm going to buy that book when it's published. So <laughs> I'll send you one. <laughs> no, no, no. Make everybody pay. <laughs> I'll promote it on Instagram. So that's a wrap. Thank you so much again, Robin, for joining us. I am Melissa Parks. And I'm Dave Getz. Now buckle up and write.